This is Jack Hart, production director and voice of Auburn Tigers hockey. You're listening to WEGL 91.1 FM. Hey everyone, this is Trey Atkins alongside Campbell Garbert, Jack Vesey, and Graham Copeland. Welcome to the Barners Before Bed Show, Wednesdays at 10 p.m. on Weagle 91.1 FM. Your home for late night Auburn athletic coverage from a fan's perspective each hump day. War Eagle. And welcome everybody to episode 36 of Barners Before Bed here on this semi-cold Night here in Auburn, Alabama, 8 o'clock. I'm Trey Atkins here, joined alongside Jack Vesey, Graham Copeland, and soon-to-be Campbell Garber over the phone. If we can get someone to dial him up over there on mic two, that'd be fantastic while we're doing this little intro. But nonetheless, we're right in the heart of conference play here in uh, basketball season. Quite the roller coaster for many teams this year, unless you're a fan of UConn. But they've stayed steady. But for those in the SEC, wow, what a past couple weeks. We were not here last week, unfortunately due to me on the the radio call for the Auburn women's team, who I believe I'm undefeated right now. Shout out to Noah there, one of my fellow co-workers. I was actually on the call for the LSU upset, so maybe I was the glue that – not the call, halftime call. So let's, let's preface by saying that. But I would like to say I was the glue that helped turn some things around and shape it up to be a uh, tournament-style run here for the women's team. But the men's team bounced back this past weekend – I'm not even going to lie. I was in New Orleans this weekend, and I didn't really get the chance to watch a lot of hoops. Jack was there with me. Graham, you were in Birmingham, if I'm not mistaken, correct? That's correct. And honestly, as a fan, when you're stuck in those situations where you can't watch sports, you do a little like under-the-table phone check, which I maybe put up a double-double of at this dinner on Saturday night. And I saw my guys from back home gave up 103 points to a team that averages 60 points. So... Uh, quite the roller coaster day for me as a fan. And back on Wednesday, too, Auburn looked great against Vanderbilt, but in Lexington, Kentucky looked terrible. Who else? Bama's, it, they're somehow, some way, first in the SEC again. That scares me. Are y'all scared of that? I, I can't have NATO. It's going three out of four. I don't think it'll happen. Uh, I'm pretty sure they have one of the harder remaining schedules left in the SEC, so things will shake up. And, yeah, I mean, we got them. We got them. We have their number on Wednesday, so let's just look forward to that, and then we'll see where we are. In yeah, a last weeks. time we were in this booth was before the Road Iron Bowl game, where we were on cloud nine. That's when Auburn was getting a a lot of future bets placed on them to win the Natty. I still think that's a possibility, even though there's some people that we are familiar with that say that can't happen. I guess that's sort of like a, uh, a history based thing where the Auburns and Tennessees, I guess, haven't really gotten over that hump yet, but this could be the year, because who knows? This is the most wide-open I've seen in college basketball, and to double down, the most wide-open I've ever seen the SEC. Fellas, there's legitimate maybe six, seven teams that could win the tournament. I'd say probably it's been narrowed down to like three for the regular season, maybe four, but the tournament, Nashville's going to be a, a zoo this year. Usually it's all blue, and then what's up? It's not Nashville. The SEC tournament, where is it at? It's in Florida. It's in Tampa. Why'd they have it back in Tampa? I feel like that's no- – You can fact check me on that, but it's, I'm pretty sure it's still it's in Tampa. Like, it, they have, like, a four-year contract in Tampa, which I think was the dumbest move ever, side note, to move it anywhere other than Nashville. It's just Nashville's <laughs> so reachable for every SEC team, well, and it's a great uh, – You're incorrect, Jack. It's oh, yeah. in Bridgestone. Yeah, I, I had a feeling. I I, there's I some people was... definitely making some plans to go to Nashville, so I was about to give them a phone call myself. But I, I think this is a year where you see a, Auburn fans will be there. I, I don't know if Bama fans will travel for basketball, but they're good enough to where they should go. Carolina fans, why not? I mean, the, y'all are becoming America's sweetheart here the past few weeks. They're making their name felt as well. Uh, Arkansas fans, I would probably spend that weekend doing something else. Yep. Quite the weird couple weeks for them, safe to say. But also Tennessee fans are going to be there, home state, whatever. I mean, if there's any Vandy fan, they'll be there. The Big Blue Nation will still be there. I mean, it's going to be a madhouse, of a rainbow of colors, if you will, compared to the usual maybe one, two, three schools. And Florida, why would we count on Florida? They're, they're been playing some good ball, got a good win last Wednesday. I don't know what they did on Saturday, but 
did they beat Georgia? That's who they were playing, right? They they beat Georgia. Uh, well, South Carolina played Georgia on Saturday. Excuse me, yeah. South Carolina played, won that game. They played at A&M and lost by one. Which yeah, is yeah. A, that's a that's a good game to go on the road to at that A&M and only lose by one. That's a good game. So they're definitely gonna sneak up on us. I think still still a lot of ball left to be played here in the regular season. I mean, we still got. The Tigers got nine games left. I'm, I'm looking at our schedule, but a lot can happen between now and then. Teams can get hot. Teams can get cold. But as of today, February 5th, 2024, I mean, to your point, Trey, there's eight teams, I think, that have a legitimate and you know reasonable shot at winning the SEC tournament. Um, and I was going to – I'm glad you mentioned Florida because Florida is hot. Um, coming off that loss, you know, I mean, it's hard to win on the road at SEC. I mean – Call it how it is, but just the way that they shoot the ball, um, they they just they they play a fun brand of basketball, uh, run and gun, three and D. So I could definitely see Florida. Obviously, South Carolina is Lamont Paris has turned that program around, and then you got your Alabamas, your Auburns, Kentucky, Tennessee, obviously. Um, so yeah, I mean, and Ole Miss is. I mean, what are they? Eighteen and four now, seventeen and five, something like that. Eighteen and four, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, there's. I forgot about them too, man. They. Yeah. I mean, Georgia's also Georgia's like fifteen and eight. They're not, they're not terrible this year. No, nah, and then I mean, we see, we just saw Mississippi State beat Auburn. So I mean, they're you can't count them out either. So it's pretty fun. I mean, it's 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 SEC is top heavy, but the top is like there's literally eight nine teams that are. I wouldn't even go as far as say top heavy because if you're talking top heavy, that means any game outside the like, let's say, who's your Mount Rushmore right now of Kentucky teams? Not necessarily for the regular season conference, but best for right now. Would you say I would say Bama, Auburn are the two locks. Oh no, Tennessee's up there. There's three locks, and the fourth one you can dabble around. I would still put Kentucky there, non-bias. Who? Yeah, well, new, neutral court. Yeah, for yeah, sure, new, Kentucky. Um, I, South Carolina's right there with it as well. So it's you know, yeah. I mean, Ames and Florida's too. Ole Miss. I would say maybe everybody. Yeah. Everybody's pretty darn good except for Vandy and uh, Missouri and, and Arkansas. I'd say. Well, the thing about Arkansas though, as much controversy as they've been under, they are too talented of a team to count out for. Let's say an a SEC tournament run, maybe not winning at all. But you could see them like the Auburn team in 2015 that just snuck up on everyone, and they're way talented than that team. Get to like a Saturday or Sunday, and you never know at that point. I mean, Must just comes out of nowhere in March sometimes. Like people have been talking about Arkansas these past few years. I mean, they've, in retrospect, in in the grand scheme of things, with like the regular season, they've sort of sucked. And then they just come out and win against Kansas or beat Gonzaga, and you're like, oh, hey guys. But then of course they will not beat Duke, and then. You have Coach K coverage in the Final Four, but Musk is a type of guy that you can't count out until he goes to Louisville. Then you can probably count him out at, at, <laughs> at Arkansas. And that's something that I want to talk about, too, because we, going into the show, this is the point in the season where it's make or break time for a lot of teams, right? You've got less than a month left, or month, <laughs> month left to go till March. You should know your rotation at this point by teams. You should know the top dog. You should have a good understanding. But, again, you never know in this sport. It is the most random sport, and that's what makes it great come tournament time. So let's just fire off some hot takes that we will note and come back to. I'd, I'd like to come back maybe the week before the Final Four. I think that would be a good time to, especially if the Final Four is like last year. Like it was kind of hard to make up storylines for UConn and San Diego State. I'm hoping for a more marketable Final Four this year, especially in Phoenix. I, I would say random basketball spot. I'd say more of a good football spot. Would you all agree for a, a title? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That that whole area is cool, especially with it being, you know, this time in the year you could get a lot of places where it's still going to be really cold outside. But, you know, Phoenix, March, April is going to be pretty warm. So I think that part, that aspect of it's cool. You'll have definitely have more people outside around the city doing stuff. That'll have more of a championship atmosphere, I think. Yeah, good. That's a good point. Definitely, you can wear a t-shirt and shorts type of town. When Auburn got stuck in Minneapolis and you're wearing a toboggan in early April, that's not a fun trip. But uh, speaking of people traveling to Phoenix, I think this tweet was sent off 
right after our last episode, and luckily Auburn's recovered from it because that's the type of thing that, like, it's nothing related to the basketball point. It's just it's like kind of like bad karma. That tweet from the Auburn basketball or Auburn yeah. Tigers Twitter intern, what the heck? That is a bold tweet. That, yeah, that was crazy. That is the stuff that memes are made of. So Remind, remind the fans of the show uh, what the tweet said. I can't really quote it verbatim, but it was along the lines of someone. I th- yeah, I think they that's said insane. saying like get ready to be Phoenix bound. Or there's going to be a lot of orange and blue in Phoenix, which is a great possibility. But man, that's one of those like if Auburn loses in the round of 32, like we'll be brought back up by flaming cold takes and all that. But speaking of flaming cold takes, I'll kick us off if y'all don't mind, because I got a couple that have potential to be quite cold. And let's start no further than this one. Because this is a conference that usually could sneak in like a Texas Tech in years past, or Kansas can never count them out. But I have fraud watch. My fraud dars going off with these guys. No Big 12 teams in the Elite Eight, and Kansas will lose in the round of 32. Pretty hot take, but yeah. kind of reasonable with those guys. Like self, Cal, people give Cal and K, and they used to give Roy slander for losing early in the tournament, but self is the king of that. He is. They are they are very hit or miss. I feel like they lose early or win the whole thing a good bit. So, I mean, they would be two years off of Kansas Natty. Yeah, but yeah. That, that was a weird, weird year, too, with Carolina making the run. I think if Duke would have beat Carolina, they would have beat Kansas that year, but that's two, two years back, and I can't believe we've already said Coach K's name twice, and he's two years retired. Hopefully this is not like a – the next Barners Before Bed on Weagle two years from now is not talking about saving. That would be, I'm sure, annoying for the folks of the 334. Also, we sort of already touched on this. This may not even be hot. I just like to point out that there will be eight SEC teams in the tournament this year. I don't want to go down the line of all the eight, but I think we've touched them all. And this is the hot one, and this is maybe recency bias, but I, they're so due, man. They are so due, and they have a wagon of a team or at least looked like a wagon of a team. Tennessee makes the Final Four this year. Potentially, I think they're. I mean, that's not incredible. That's that's a lukewarm take, I'd say. But I mean, we do know Rick Barnes pretty well by now. So I mean, there's potential, but I also think that their guard play has to start trending upwards, similar to our situation, which I think we have saw glimpses of it this week. Like Ziegler and Viscovi have been. Around the block here in the tournament for I think they've been at Tennessee since before they, I had my they have the, license. They have the makeup, you know. They they have the, the ingredients sure. to to make a run for sure. But I mean, I call on a spade a spade. Rick Barnes is Rick Barnes. He he is who he is. I mean, how how many times have we seen this song and dance where Tennessee just has, you know, a loaded team, talented team. Old team, experienced team, and just absolutely just crumbles when the when the bright the uh, lights are bright. So yeah. yeah, this year's team just has a different vibe to it. I love Connect. He's on our my fantasy team, which this will officially start the season for it to close out with Jack being here now, getting his club. And the last one, and this is by far the hottest one. And I said Muscleman, but. There's also a possibility that Mick Cronin could go to Louisville, or there could be some shifts here. Either Nate Oates or Bruce Pearl will be the next head coach at either Louisville or UCLA mm. by the time the Final Four happens. Mm-mm. I disagree so hard. Mm-mm. It's a it's a take. I mean, it's both hot. of those guys I think are here for the next six or it's seven. Cr- wow, that you would say that on on the show. I think mm-hmm. UCLA is one of those drop everything jobs. Louisville used to be. It's not anymore. I think UCLA was a drop everything job ten years ago when their fans still came to the games. I just think there's so much potential and tradition. It's LA too. You'll get the occasional LA guy. Bruce, I I was about Uh, to say. I I think I don't think Bruce signs a ten year contract. You know, without in LA. Yeah, you know, he's kind of a red guy. I mean, it's a hot take. I just see It's, it's extremely hot. It's scorching. Especially more Nate Oates, where Pearl's, what, 65? It's the I could see him going to Louisville more than UCLA, but Nate Oates, I think he's one of those guys that could think, maybe this is my ceiling here at Alabama. It's time for the next jump, which would be a UCLA caliber school for basketball. I mean, 
not to be a uh, a anti Auburn guy or anything like that, but look what he. I mean, Oates is not leaving anytime soon. Uh, he's getting it he's done, done there. The Recruiting too. Years. They've won. He's won what three SEC titles. Yeah. Um, I don't want to, you know, glaze Alabama, but he has definitely turned that program into a contender at least for the SEC every year. So. The and, state the ex- of, and the expectation's still not there for him to for yeah. the product that he's putting out. They still don't expect him to do that. So I just it's kind of a dream job the way all, Bruce Pearl has Auburn in a sense. Just, except our expectations are a lot higher. Not Bruce doesn't fit this mold, but a lot of college basketball coaches have egos. And when you're at Alabama, it doesn't matter if you have Muschamp as your head ball coach. He's still going to be the BMOC. And I just feel like Nate Oates at some point will be tired of that and wanting the more glamour and light of a UCLA or Louisville. Probably, I would not leave Alabama for Louisville, but we will come back. I want to hear y'all's takes too. That was hot. That one will probably not happen. Just, it's worth worth food for thought. But on that note, we're going to take a short break, come back, and uh, hear some more hot takes, talk later on in March, and just probably hoops. It's that time of the year. See you guys shortly. And welcome back. Barnes for Bed, episode 36. Not a basketball, legal basketball number, so J-Simp. The J-Simp episode. Yeah. Jack, any noise out of senior day, by the way, from Mobile? Uh, there's a great turnout. I heard the parades were fun. I heard uh, a couple of my buddies ran into Michael Penix at the local watering hole Saturday night, which is kind of cool. But. Yeah, cool, cool. I also saw that Bo Nix and Mike Tomlin were chatting it up, which gave me some scaries. I immediately thought this is the year he looks focused, having fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I don't know. Did y'all see the controversy? It was so like goofy and weird, made up. But it was a photo of DeBoer and Penix, and he like jokingly like shoved him out of the photo, and everyone was making something of it, saying that yeah. DeBoer can't really hold a player relationship I mean I, if Garber was here he I can already know what he'd be saying at least I think it'd be like I, I let's start these like it, I, he'd be all about those little small rumors yeah yeah here yeah. and there but anyways back to the hot takes and such who would like to go next to the batter's box uh I'll go ahead because I kind of have my three right here pulled up so my first one is very similar to yours and it is Probably more drastic. I don't think a single Pac-12 team will make it past the round of 32. I mean, will there be more than two Pac-12 teams in the tournament? That might be. The- I mean, yeah, but I think they'll both be high seeds now. At least Arizona will be. And I, Basically, I don't think Arizona will make it out of the round of 32. you got Arizona. you got Oregon. Um, Washington State, maybe. Aren't they? Wa- maybe Washington, maybe Colorado. Colorado's up there. By the way, Colorado has a lottery pick, and I can't even tell you the guy's Ooh, name. I've seen – I have actually was looking at it today. I don't even remember his name, but saw two mock drafts having him go one. I think Jacoby Walker is the best college pro- – there's a lot of foreign guys I don't know. I think Jacoby Holland, Walters. Walker. Walters. It's Walters? Yes. B- uh, Baylor guy? Yeah. Whatever the yeah, Baylor guy's name. See, it's this is how this proves how weak this draft class is. It is. Uh, it's, it's a bunch of foreigners, a bunch of G League guys that I don't even know. Because I mean, Ma- it yeah. gives me Malcolm Brogdon rookie of the year vibes. <laughs> yeah, we I mean, average like ten and two and one rookie of the year. Yeah, but th- then we'll look back in like ten years and there'll be like a Luca, Giannis, and a Joker from this draft, and we're like, what in the world? I- Holland, I thought was the truth coming out of high school. I wish he would have played college hoops. He'd been at Texas. Boy, that would have helped them out a lot. Yeah, they could have used it. Uh, but anyways, that was my first one. My second one is a lukewarm take as an Auburn fan, but I think CBM, Chad Baker-Mazzara, is 100% going to win six man of the year this year in the SEC. He is uh, you know, basically a starter but doesn't get the starting job. And then my last one was that, which is in an argument we had earlier this year, I did not say this, but I think Auburn will, by March, run an eight-man lineup, as in only eight guys getting over eight minutes a game. I wouldn't say that's a hot take. I I like that take. I was just talking about it with somebody before the show. I think Auburn should do that. And I think we're we're trending towards that, which is just going to be interesting because, you know, Bruce Bruce loves his depth. depth, Sorry. Hope he doesn't love his depth. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. He loves his depth, and uh, (laughs) – 
just be interesting to see us running kind of like an eight-man, heavy, eight guys heavy, and then maybe one extra guy getting minutes. Yeah, I proposed this fun. earlier, or like an hour before the show. I think we should cut Lior's minutes completely. I he agree. should play zero minutes. And then I think Chris Moore needs to play just for maintenance purposes. What do his but minutes do to you again, Graham? His his minutes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, can't say that on air. But uh, I think, I mean, Chris Moore, just put him in there when it doesn't matter. Like, the first four minutes of the game, like, from minute 20 to the first media timeout, that's fine. And then, like, the last four minutes of the first half, that's fine. I think any time during the second half is awful because I think the game is won and lost in the first eight minutes of the second half. And then after you get past that, I mean, it's it's getting towards crunch time. So I don't think he should play in the second half at all. But I definitely do think he needs minutes for I agree. purposes of giving, giving guys uh, spells, you know. For sure. But the last four minutes of the first half can make or break a game, too. Let's say you're going in up 10 with three minutes left. They cut that thing down to four. That's a completely different locker room. I don't think I it's near say, as important as the first yeah, eight minutes of the second half. I though. also will – to add on top of that, though, I don't think Chris Moore is a guy who is going – I think he's very similar to, like, Zepp last year where his – he's not going to win or lose you the final four minutes. He's just going to kind of be there. He's not going to do anything to help or hurt. Just doing a little cardio. Yeah. Um, your second take, I – he definitely has the resume for a candidate. I think barring a crazy mishap, I think it's Rob Dillingham's to lose. I just think the numbers he puts up are yeah. – he's going to be a top – seven pick in the draft, which makes it even more embarrassing, this downfall for Kentucky. But, I mean, kid had 35 against yeah, Tennessee. Yeah, I guess that's true. But, but Mello, can we also, Garber is ready to go. Can we give him a phone call here on mic two? My phone's at 10%. Yeah, I'll call him. Get old Garber on speakerphone. But, Mel, while Jack's doing that, could you give us your takes? Yeah, I didn't really come prepared to give my hot takes this evening. But I guess one I, I have, I don't – I think it's on the more lukewarm side. But I'm going to say that South Carolina is going to be our SEC regular season champion. Um, just all things considered, you know, we look – I think it's it's safe to say, right, that Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, and Kentucky are – and South Carolina are like your five, right? Sure. Uh, no, Kentucky's out of the picture now, in my opinion. They have to play at well, Auburn, just, Tennessee. Okay, well, they're – I mean, yeah. Okay, so Ole Miss is, is fifth and Kentucky is sixth. They, they have the same conference record, but – Almost as better overall. But anyways, South Carolina, I think between Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, and themselves, I think South Carolina has the easiest schedule uh, for the remainder of the season. I mean, you look, Tennessee still has to go at South Carolina, at Alabama, play Auburn, uh, play Kentucky, and then Alabama is pretty brutal as well. They got – let me scroll up and see who they got. Um, Alabama's got – you know, us uh, in two days. They got at, I think Alabama might lose every single away game they have left on their schedule. They still got at Florida, at Ole Miss, at Kentucky, at Auburn, at LSU. So they could very well, like, drop every single one of those except for maybe LSU. Um, and then Auburn um, still got some intriguing road games. And South Carolina is the best team on the road in the SEC this year. And, I mean, they're – I mean – it's time they get the respect they deserve. Uh, Lamont Paris has done a great job with that program. They just don't – I mean, they going forward, they have at Auburn, at Ole Miss, and that's really it. That's like truly losable games for them, I think, in my opinion. I think so, them winning outright is a very bold part of it because you have to keep in yeah. mind they lost to Bama early on, so they would have to split the title – Right. That'd be a tough one to overcome because I, I could see Bama I, maybe squeezing out two of those road games. Yeah, maybe. But, I, I, I mean, they're only one game behind Alabama. I think these last nine games I can see South Carolina going 7-2, and 6-3. and three. I think Bama goes like 4-5, and 5-4, five, five and four, something like that. So I, I think South Carolina will uh, take home the SEC champion, regular season championship. So that's hot take one. Hot take two is I don't think we'll have a single one seed in the final four. And that might not be hot either, but, I mean, just with the volatility of, of college basketball this year, I mean, your your one seeds as of today, according or as of uh, Friday, according to Lenardi, are Purdue, UConn, uh, UNC, and Houston. And um, I just I – don't, I don't see Houston, you know, being a Final Four team just because of – 
what I've seen from them away from their, from their home court and just their, I think their style of ball doesn't – I don't think they're, you know, a Final Four team. Um, UConn, I mean, going to back-to-back is extremely difficult. We know this. I think they're the hottest team right now, but I could very well see them – uh, dropping a game, Purdue. I mean, we saw what happened last year in the round of 64, so that goes without saying. I think UNC, out of those four, probably has the highest likelihood of making the Final Four, but I could see very well this year, you know, not having a single one seed and just March just exploding right in front of our faces. Expecting madness. And then live from a, I don't, I think a car. In Nashville, Tennessee, ladies and gentlemen, Campbell Garver. Garb, welcome to the show, and give us your rundown a little bit, maybe some hot takes. What'd you get? You probably watched way more ball than us this weekend. Also, you got ball tokens for watching Divine Providence before it got taken down. Maybe a little documentary recap, if you will. But Yeah. Um, hey, Jordan, happy to be back. Happy to be on. Um, Jordan from my house back in Nashville. Um, yeah. Um, First off, I guess, catching up. Great win by the Tigers this weekend. Taking care of business, as we kind of expected. Um, but maybe we didn't expect, whatever. Um, I think we're doing hot takes right now. Yes. Um, I'll give you a hot take that doesn't that's disguised. Um, it doesn't seem like it's a hot take, but I think Tennessee goes to the Final Four this year. It's right not, there with you, uh, brother. Because yep. you know they're probably they might be a one seed. They're tracking on one seed pace. You forget that it's Rick Barnes in March, and I I think this might be the year that Rick Barnes defies all defies all the allegations. I said. When, at what point though do we just like you know accept the fact that Rick Barnes is incapable of doing it? Do we keep giving him but, I mean, chance after chance? Things where it's like you know those narratives are written to be broken. You know that you like. I agree. I think I think for the most part, I think you're gonna be right. But I don't know this team, this Tennessee team. Obviously, his defense is still uh, incredible, like a usual Rick Barnes team. But the offense has been kind of unbelievable. Like putting up 100 points in rough is. I know Kentucky's defense is not stout, but still, I mean, being able to also play different, play play to the level of their opponent in terms of. Uh, this team plays fast and plays a lot of offense. Yeah, we'll we'll play that style of basketball. Win. Uh, this team is you know slower. All right, perfect. Like we're gonna shut them down and we're gonna beat them. So <clears throat> I don't know. I think that's my hot take. I, I didn't come with two. That was just my one. Um, and I think right before we go to break, Divine Providence. I'm sad for anyone that missed it, but it was the documentary from Big East Films. Uh, just an amateur filmmaker on YouTube. He made a uh, documentary about Providence and the Ed Cooley departure, the snake that he is. Um, and it got taken down. I think they had a lot of copyrighted music that they did not pay for um, and some other stuff. But it was good. Good documentary. Caused a lot of stir with Jeff Goodman and other Rob Doster and the other media pundits. Can you, tell us, can you tell us real quick why Goodman got his panties in a wad? Yeah, we'll, really, we'll hey really Garber, know. we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna talk about that when we come back for break because it's time for a commercial. And yes, any good Jeff Goodman slander is always welcome on this show. He is quite the the hoops carry. I don't think there's anyone like him in any other sport. But anyways, we're gonna take a quick break and come back here on episode thirty six of. And welcome back, episode thirty six of Barners Before Bed. To continue what we were talking about a little bit before break, I think. If even though it was an a f- amateur filmmaker, and yes, the field of eight was just in shambles from it. Which after hearing everyone, I guess Goodman the the backstory behind his rhetoric kind of made sense. Like he was standing up for his guy, definitely misspoke a little. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. But my main takeaway from that whole thing, despite all the drama outside of it, was that's what we. Garber, you've always been a big East guy, but for me, like, I never really understand what basketball means to them. But for some people in Providence, Rhode Island, that yes, they have the Patriots, the Celtics, their Northeast teams, but that it represents their entire town. And that's all they got. And the way they treat college hoops and one of their own, like, as a flyer, as in an Ed Cooley, just to see him go to their arch rival who's historically, even though they've been really bad, I'd say. Uh, 
I don't even know what I would give a football comparison for. They're not necessarily Nebraska level, but like they were great in the eighties. Their historical program to Provid or excuse me to Georgetown as that big of a rival. It was kind of wild to watch. Even though I fell asleep halfway through that first half, really broke down what basketball means in the Big East. Yeah, I think that was what I appreciated the most from it. Um, this guy, the guy that made them, makes one for each team. And so this was the Providence one. So I think, yeah, I think Goodman was upset because I think Cooley's kind of one of his guys, which I respect, you know, as a media member. Never want to burn a bridge. Want to have as many good connections. But at the same time, like, I don't think it necessarily, the film itself didn't put out any, like, I don't think it didn't put out any like incorrect. I mean, it just gave, it just gave opinion. They just interviewed, you know, a handful of different Providence fans, and they gave their side of the story. And they interviewed a couple um, Georgetown fans, and then they interviewed John Fanta, who's the big um, great follow, but he's a Big East reporter. And so I don't know. It was very. It was definitely slanted towards Providence, but I don't think the guy was necessarily pushing any agendas. I think for the most part, it was all just what these fans had to say. Yeah, but also it's kind of hard to not push it towards Providence the way you lose one of your own and he goes to your rival. And also Fanta, if I had to make like sort of like an SEC comparison, it'd be, let's say, when Mike White went to Georgia and if it was more on the football side because that means more down here, it'd be like an aspiring journalist interviewing Feinbaum. Like, I don't get where the field of 68 was was really upset. It was just someone, I guess the title Big East Films kind of like misled. They thought it was, a, as you said, affiliated with the conference, but it just seemed unnecessary drama uh, for a group that try, is trying to be the face of college basketball. My, uh, not to cut you all off, but my whole take on it also, Garber, I, I kind of saw clips from it. I didn't get the opportunity to watch the whole thing. But uh, if you follow Jeff Goodman on Twitter, he he's kind of a guy who loves to stand on his own moral high ground, even though he has multiple occasions of him, like, attacking fans, kind of. Not attacking, but, like, definitely getting into it with people. And he's just not – I just don't care for him at all. So I it just made me like the film even more. Yeah, the the DMs he had with the guy it was that blue. It's the blue blue demon degenerate. Um, it was the he's a DePaul fan. This guy who runs Biggie's Films. Um, I don't know. I kind of got into all this, but they he was in his Jeff Goodman was like in his DMs, you know, telling him like you're going to go to prison. Like I, it was it was a weird look for it was a weird look for the guy stooping that low. Um, I mean, I guess it did gain some serious traction that thing, but I think he only escalated it. He's really just kind of an idiot for that because I don't think it would have grown to the heights that it did, you know, Dave Portnoy. I, be- yeah. I believe he's also an Auburn hater. Like, who, Jeff? Yeah. Interesting. I, I feel like there's not a lot of pro. I know he's. I think he's a big Big Ten guy. I take that back. He there's a. I'm looking him up right now, and he has a clip from like two weeks ago saying Bruce Pearl should win Coach of the Year. So. Yeah, I think I know Goodman's daughter goes to Indiana. I think he has roots in Big Ten territory, and I never really see him talking bad about the Big Ten. I am, I, I'm, I guess I would consider myself like a polar opposite. I want to ask you guys this question: If there's a conference that you find yourself cheering against, for me it used to be the ACC, but I feel like now that the ACC's lost their legendary coaches like Royd, K, Bayheim, they're sort of less hateable. And now it's Big Ten for me. It's just I just don't I find them such an annoying conference. And now they got a football title under their belt. And also they're gonna add more big name schools too. So we're gonna have to deal with this Big Ten versus the SEC sorta of for years to come, I believe. Mel, you've been a little quiet. What's your take throughout all this? Uh, I mean, don't have one. I mean, I, I'm not well-versed with Divine Providence or Jeff Goodman. I think it's a funny tidbit that you uh, know where Jeff Goodman's daughter goes to school. That's interesting. Um, <laughs> no, dude, it's on Twitter everywhere. Like, it, I follow – Jeff Goodman's one of my favorite followers, actually. I think he's he's great at what he does. He just – it's he comes across as, like, a know-it-all. Would you, would you, is that, is that yeah, a fair statement, Garber? I, I, I think I agree. I, I like that. I like Field of 68. And the funny thing is, pretty sure Fanta is a part of Field of 68. Yeah, and he's the voice so, of the Big East too, right? If, is that? Yeah, he's like. I mean, he's like the comment. He's like the like analyst reporter of the Big East. He does a little comment. He does commentating for them, a little bit of A10, I think too. But yeah, it was weird. I was like, pretty sure Fanta and Goodman. Like, I don't know if they're friends. But they're like, 
on the same podcast together and like work together. So it was, it was fascinating to me. Yeah, and also, Fanta knew what it was gonna, what what it was all gonna be like. He probably didn't. He yeah, probably I think that was probably it. part of the root of the problem too. And also, shout out to the Big East. They probably have the best, I believe, personnel for on TV personalities. I'm Fox has Gus. I don't know if I can't remember. I swear I see him calling Big East games a lot. They have Raftery, and then guys like Fanta right. who are just uh, who like eat, sleep, and breathe college ball. For us, now that we're strictly like an SEC, or excuse me, an ESPN conference, Billis has sort of rubbed me the wrong way recently. Have y'all, I, Auburn gets Jay Williams every game, and I see a lot of Auburn people not enjoy him. That, that Bama Jay Will sequence where it was, um, oh, yeah. you know, that was so frustrating, the, especially when the lights went off. and The they tennis were, match thing? I, I, I get that. That was, that was funny. It was cute. That's the best. It was cute, but then they had Jalen Milrow on there for like the first ten minutes of the game, and is yeah, he... that was just bad sequencing. They had that golfer on Nick Dunlap. Like, I mean, it's cool that he's like a Bama student and won a PGA thing. Quarter six legend. I mean, it was the Auburn Alabama basketball game. Like, why, why do we have a golfer on like sitting on the commentary doing an interview while like live games getting played? Was he on live? Like, was he getting? Yeah. Was he talking to Jay Williams and uh, um, yeah, Carl Ravage? See, I was at yeah. the game, so yeah. I did not know. That's Same. that's interesting. I, I, I from what I gathered I mean, from, it, it, it's kind of cool, I guess. But like, why is that not a pregame special? Same with Milrow, like, you know, or at least at halftime. Like, yeah, they acknowledged him at halftime. I figured it stopped there, but I didn't know he's on TV. That's like halftime, like media timeout, like show your little interview you did with him. But like, why we're interviewing mid-game when like you should be commentating? I don't know. I those. I mean, I think I, I think I fall into like the dad old man take on this, but like the. The increase, the constant increase of like on field, on like on court, on field interviewing, and you know access and you know mic'd up moments like that just take away from the actual just call. I I could do it. Yeah, like great example too. Just give me a color commentator and a play by play. Great example too was last night. If y'all were watching the Arizona Stanford game, like just out of nowhere, NASCAR race driver Kurt Busch just starts. Uh, chopping it up with the two commentators. I'm like, this is just... And the worst part about it, too, <laughs> is they'll go split screen. So it'll be like yeah. a crucial part of the yeah. first half, yeah. and then just, you, you get like, like maybe a corner What of is Kurt Bush contributing to this conversation? Well, I'd see, baseball I'd argue... Like, yeah. I'd argue the, the way to... Up, like, lift the booth up, put ten people in there. Like, I mean, you, you know, like, baseball, you kind of got to kill time in between those pitches, but like, basketball, I mean, there's constant action. You, should, you know, we're just talking about a PGA tournament. I'm like, what? We don't care. Like, the only way to Alabama. the only way to fix that, I think, would be just do what the NFL does. Have the like the Manning cast as its own stream. Do two separate streams. Yeah, but you can't really do that for like a Wednesday SEC yeah, game. Can, no, I know, but that that is the way to fix it. Unless you, if you want to have both. Who, who if, so for college game day, you should do that because that'd be something for basketball game day. Because I think that would make it more important too. Who would be the two guys like? I, that you can't throw like a Jay Williams or a Billis. That would just be annoying. I would like Reddick up there. Why? I don't know why he doesn't do more college shoots. I he would was, love JJ. He's, yeah, he's, he's yeah. an NBA guy. Yeah, I think at this point. still just a great over. basketball voice though. Yeah, but he was like, but if McAfee made his name in the NFL, he's on game day in college football. I feel like Reddick. He was. I know, but I'm saying, but I, but he's gotten himself solidified pretty good and. NBA with his podcast. And yeah, ESPN. that's Wait, fair. If you could give me Reddick and Psycho T. First take's not going to talk about college <laughs> basketball hardly at all. Like, they're going to talk about the NBA. Oh, Psycho T. There's no way that dude has a good TV personality. I think he's a good podcast guy. He's, I think he's a Field of 68 guy. They have some random old hoop. It's like Robbie Hummel, John Henson. Like, where does Jeff Goodman find these guys? Like, I don't know, where do you contact a guy like John Henson? <laughs> Robbie Hummel, like the Purdue guard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. He's so random, but I, I think crazy too. I don't. He know. was a forward for UNC, right? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, yeah. he was like a lottery pick, I believe. Yeah, he was there with. Uh, no, he was like early two thousands. It was. Um, they had a good. It was Zeller. I forgot who else was on that team. They had a. a just a bunch of seniors. That was Carolina's way. But Reddick was like Grayson Allen. But ten times more polarizing and honestly cooler. So he needs to come back to college hoops. That's that's my take on it. 
Any other names that y'all want to throw there? In a who's some college basketball like a Marshall Henderson? Give him. Do not put that. <laughs> It'd be guy a good sponsor for like a Tyler Hansborough. We, yeah, we think we we knocked Psycho T. Oh, whoops. Or we we were saying not not like <laughs> threw him out. Like it'd be hilarious to have him there. I feel like there's definitely some other personalities we're missing. The SEC Network has some good guys, and I'm trying to think of their names again. But I enjoy listening to them. Uh, they used to have Patrick Young on there. I the think Shane years. Battier would do a great job. Yeah, I think he'd yeah. be fun. A lot of those guys is tricky because you associate with them the NBA stuff. I'm trying to think of like the ultimate just co- like Kimball Walker man. Like I don't know if he's a personality. But Send like- me on Bowers. <laughs> <laughs> Simeon live from Broadway, right in the heart of the SEC tournament. <laughs> that would be cardiac. Would be awesome to have one. Yeah, there there just needs to be more college basketball personalities because it's really gotten to the point where not a lot of the former athletes are doing college hoops. It's more you give leeway to like the Jeff Goodmans and the I love Rothstein. Love me some Rothstein. But Is, uh, I got a question: Is Kimball Walker a former player? Is he not still playing? I think he's done the I NBA. I think he is a free agent, technically. I thought he was in uh, Europe, like currently He's playing. definitely not in the NBA. I know Kimball Walker is not in the NBA, really. Yeah, yeah. he's not. I uh, thought he was like an all-star. Like, yeah, not long Graham's ago. right. He's over in Europe in Monaco. Dude, uh, Leitner. Good for him. I, I would not be shocked if Kimball Walker joined Big East, uh, like joined the Big East, like FS1 crew. Yeah. Uh, somewhere down the line. I'm shocked awesome. Leitner doesn't do more. I guess he's he's just so polarizing. Yeah, but that's awesome, though. That's awesome yeah. how, like, hated he is. And I feel like he's actually like, kind of like a cool – I watched his documentary again a couple weeks ago. He's kind of a cool guy. Yeah, he I is. hate to say it. But anyways – I bet Al Horford's going to be a, a television <laughs> media guy when he retires. Dude, all those Celtics players are so boring. I don't want any of those. He's, to- I mean, he's the token retire and then, you know – Get get your face in front of a camera and just says intellectual things. Yeah, yeah. Wilson, what's he call him? The time warden. Dude's just been playing. At the yeah, same he's level he's for been forty years, years old for about ten years now. Yeah, yeah. It's just college football has way more personalities. Like I know for a fact when Baker's done the NFL, he's going to game day. You got guys like a Jameis Winston. Oh who, my <laughs> gosh, that would be awesome. Yeah, there's <laughs> so many opportunities for college football, but basketball needs more of those style personalities. But on that note, we're gonna take a quick break. Come back, we'll unveil Jack's team that he crafted up. Talk a little bit about how that's going to work again. We've made some adjustments to the rules, too, to make it more beneficial for everyone and more radio entertaining. But you will find that when we come back. Oh, there we go. And welcome back, Barnes Before Bed, episode 36. For those of you who tuned in to the last episode, we did a little fantasy draft. Maybe a little rougher on the edges on that one, but we went back to the drawing board and were able to craft up some new rules. Also, Jack, who was not there, is now here, who will be unveiling his team. But to give everyone a little rundown, I will break or er, re-unveil. Is that right? Unveil. <laughs> the teams that we drafted a couple weeks ago. And there's been a lot of shift in college basketball since then, so Jack may have gotten a step ahead. But back to it. My squad is... Truman Mark, Rob Dillingham, Dalton Connect, Jalen Williams from Auburn, Zach Eady, and my coaches are Cal and Hurley. Garber, I had him down as Tommy B, but this stud muffin bucket from Denver. What, what are y'all geeking about over there? Share with the, this is not a secret area. Share with the people at home. Uh, you just said <laughs> Truman Mark and not Tremont. Truman, dude, is Ar- <laughs> sorry, you know what? You know what? This is like a, the Truman Show. <laughs> if there's real, if there's anyone from Arkansas listening, you don't have one player who's earned the right. Maybe L. Ellis have their name right, pronounced. You're correctly. getting some some territory you don't want to get in, buddy. I'm not. It's strictly hoops, not political. But back back <laughs> to it. Garber seems Tommy from Denver, Wade Taylor, Matthew Morell, Anderson Garcia, Janai Broom with Rick Barnes and Tommy Lloyd on his bench. Mel has Sears, Antonio Reeves, Alan Flanagan. Tyrese Samuel and Hunter Dickinson, probably the least likable five of the three teams. But, Jack, now the floor is yours. Go ahead. All right, so first things first, just because this was the easiest pick, uh, my non-SEC guy is going to be R.J. Davis out of UNC. He's going to be our ringer and, you know, get us get us on the right path. Uh, following that, we have – and I'm going to – I'm just going to preface by – I might butcher this name, but uh, – Jabri Abdurrahim from UGA. 
He's a dog. Uh, actually, his uncle, I believe, was the head coach at Kennesaw State. And then after their tournament run, he got hired elsewhere. Um, and then at the three, we're running Henry Coleman out of A&M. Guy is uh, he's a good player. Can I pause real quick? Is, is Abdur Rahim's dad Sharif? Sharif? Yes. What a bucket yeah. that dude was. Yeah, in the Jordan class. Yeah. Uh, so he's got the the hooping bloodline runs deep with him. Uh, and then like I said, Henry Coleman at the three, and then we're having Michi Johnson. We're running a small ball team. Michi Johnson from South Carolina, who is uh, this is a guy that I probably would not have taken if I would have drafted at the same time as everyone else. But obviously, South Carolina has been a nice surprise. And then my big man down low is going to be Trey Mitchell from Kentucky. That wow. All right, maybe like a twelve he and a half and eight guy. He's been, yeah. There's, that's also something. And Garber with just a crafty play. I'm the one who made the rules and didn't even follow my own like path here. Was that you need stat sheet stuffers? So I've been hearing behind the scenes. Maybe not, this is not tampering. It's just suggestions about Reed Shepard. Reed would make my like all. I'd want to make my daughter date my daughter team or like any team I'd want to roll out with like a five to win. But I wouldn't. He's not his his impact goes. Not on the score sheet. He's just a glue guy to have to make the hustle plays. Same with any guy out there taking charges in the country, any sort of big man who's just a shot-blocking presence, like like a Baycott. I mean, Baycott gets boards, but really, I, he's always just sort of been, maybe this year I haven't really been following Carolina to the extent that I could say it, but like he's just been in the past maybe like a just a presence in the paint, if you will. But that's I like your squad, Jack. That's a, that's a great rebound there for not being there. First time Trey Mitchell's a little odd. He, he's. Uh, I looked at the. St- well, I was looking for SEC big men, and all the guys that I liked had been picked up by you guys, obviously. Uh, and I just kind of looked at the stats on him. Haven't ever really watched him play, and he's he's averaging like twelve and seven and a half boards, so he can play. He's I, got a spot on my team. I gotta give credit where credit is due. Garber, ball guy of the week, picking Tommy Bruner. Is that his last name? Tommy Bruner. Um, that dude's a stud. Six-one guard. His past five games read the following: thirty-two points, forty-nine points, twenty-one points, twelve points, twenty-two points. <laughs> walking have- forty-nine points, <laughs> and he played forty-six minutes. <laughs> like who? How'd you find this? Is Garber still here? Do we still have him on speakerphone? There we go. But yeah, uh, uh, I found him. It was really hard, so I went on the. You know, NCAA website has a list of you know top scorers in the country, and he was sitting there at number one. So I had to do a lot of digging to find them. It's uh, him and that Harvard guy, right? Yeah, Robert? I heard Harvard has a stud. I don't know. I I just saw this like Tommy Brewer, and I was like, he's averaging almost thirty a game. I was like, well, I think I probably got to take this guy. <laughs> it gives me a. We got to watch like, some Denver ball. Yeah, like, yeah. I got to see this cat. Forty nine. Y'all are saying. Yeah. Y'all enjoy this, but uh, have y'all ever just been, you know, you're on YouTube doing nothing and you just rambling come across an old game that maybe it's not your team playing, but it's like a game you remember watching that was really good. And you're like, oh, I'll do a little recap. And it was the Oral Roberts, Ohio State, when Max Absmus, I, I still can't pronounce his name, now at Texas. Absmus, something yeah, like that. Yeah, he uh, was the best scorer in the country at the time then, and no one knew about him, and he just lit up Thad Mott. I don't even know if Thad was the coach at the time, but. Ohio State. Wonder what that guy's up to. Bad Mata, I feel like I saw it. He's he's somewhere else. He's coaching right now for sure. Good for him. He yeah, had some good, good Ohio State teams back in the day. He's a uh, American. Ooh. Yeah, he's he's like in the same boat of like the Andy Kennedys of like the where are these yeah. guys now? That yeah. that little era. And shout out to Andy. He's done a great job. Yeah, he has. Yeah. And, and then he, uh I got uh, just before we forget, my two coaches are Lamont Paris and Greg McDermott. Greg McDermott. Love I, it. Oh, I love me some Clemson. Or Clemson I wanted Creighton. to say uh, Lisa Bloodler from the Iowa women's team. Just because she's underrated pick. But I, I figured we'd stick to just Kim Mulkey. Give me Lisa Bloodler. Dude, um, the point guard for Creighton's awesome. He played at Utah yep. State for like eight years and went on like two <laughs> years of missionary so work. Awesome. And then he's like 35. And, and he just does everything you want your point yeah, guard to do. He, he facilitates yeah, and he shoots the ball awesome. well. What's his name? Stephen Ash Ashburg? Uh, Ashford, yeah, I believe. It's, it's Stephen uh, Ashworth. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, he's uh he's he's how I imagined myself playing college yeah, basketball. Yeah, he's, he's everything. You, he's he what, falls into the uh, Ryan Archidiakonev category. Yeah, but dude, yeah. Ark was like he was like six three. I want to say he yeah, was a big guy. Like, Stevens is a little like little tiny little fart. Yeah, you know? loose ball guy facilitates and hits open threes. It's awesome. Well, we've reached that point. We're gonna. Anyone want to make a Super Bowl remark before we go off the? We went an entire episode without talking about the biggest game in America this weekend, and honestly, I it's one of those I really just don't care about. Not really an entertaining bowl for me. I guess the whole Chiefs and Chiefs thing, and they've got some marketable players. Then obviously, so the 49ers. Maybe, don't do that. Don't do the. I mean, you're still gonna watch. It's the Super Bowl, but it's like <laughs> you're gonna watch and you're gonna care. Garber, it's identical to when like Brady and the Ram or Brady faced the Rams when they had all those like Aaron Donald and all those studs. Like that's sort of how I picture the 49ers, like like the the Rams from like four years ago. And yeah, it just, had all every single captain was most likely a Hall of Famer. It was like Jalen yeah. Ramsey, Aaron Donald, uh, Stafford. Who, who are y'all, y'all picking for the Super Bowl? I'm I'm riding the Chiefs. Chiefs for a while, but too many people in the office are all like automatically Chiefs. And I just know that some of these guys don't they just don't watch that much football. So it makes me it makes me wonder forty ers is the sharp pick. Just Yeah, I just Garber, you made a point last year you don't want to be on the wrong side of history. Talk, it's like nine out of ten guys at, around there are all saying Chiefs. Like that you know, it seems like college game day when they all go one team. The script is so all over KC. It's it. Everyone says that now. It's like you know, like big, like, big media needs the Chiefs to win. So I think, and also the past six teams. What do you mean, big? The NFL makes so much. You more know money exactly what I mean, it. Garber. I hate. I mean, I'm not for it either. I don't like it, but it's it no, is what it is. They've already made it to the big game. It doesn't. There's no more games for the. It's not like last week where if they had lost, then. They would have lost out on, like, State Farm would have lost out on, you know, being able to advertise so heavily with, like, all their Chiefs people for the whole week. You know, it would have been a little different. There's no more games after this. So, like, I don't care that. No, that's the thing is that this story will carry over all the way to next year. Like, this story will be immortalized. The Taylor Swift, all that stuff. Like, like if the 49ers win, everybody's going to forget by week one of, of, Football seat, maybe even before no, that. The casuals will forget. Let's yeah, yeah. the casuals, which is the, the casual the, fan, the majority. Is this up with the Chiefs. All right, and on that note, I'm going to give my lock of the week, Usher's first song, "Love in the Club," and that's going to be what we're going to close on <laughs> for I'm everyone going with at home. I'm going. Excuse you, Miss. <laughs> Love it. But anyways, thank you guys for tuning in this week. We'll be back next Monday, hopefully after the Super Bowl and hopefully a few college basketball wins and we'll break down the fantasy stuff. But from Trey Atkins, Campbell Garber back in Nashville and Graham Copeland and Jack Vesey, thank you guys for listening as always. And wow, what an unsmooth. But anyways, War Eagle.